Recorded by The Way in Brea. Lead pastor Von Jarrett has a heart for the people at The Way and a desire to reach the lost. The Way's production department prays this message is a blessing to you and that you find yourself closer to God through application. The title of the message this morning is The Glory of the King. Say glory. Glory. And we're going to be in Matthew chapter 17, so go ahead and turn there. And I'm going to uh, read our first portion of of our scriptures this morning. This transfiguration um, that we saw in the video that we sang about this morning, and then we get to, uh, to hear the word directly from the Lord. This is Matthew 17. If you're there, say glory. Oh, wow. When I say turn, that means flip something. Turn, open a Bible, use your app. Glory. 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 You ain't got to rip the pages out. (laughs) Somebody's nervous. All right, glory. Amen. Matthew chapter 17, verse 1 says, Now, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, his clothes became as white as the light, and behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and do not be afraid. When they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. Now as they came down from the mountain, Jesus commanded them, saying, Tell the vision to no one until the Son of Man is risen from the dead. And his disciples asked him, saying, Why then do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? Jesus answered and said to them, Indeed, Elijah is coming first and will restore all things. But I say to you that Elijah has come already. And they did not know him, but did did to him whatever they wished. Likewise, the Son of Man is also about to suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he spoke to them of John the Baptist. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you still grab a hold of us, Lord, and you lead us in the direction that you would have us to go this morning. Our heart's desire is that you would open our eyes, that we would be able to see clearly who you are, what you're doing, that we would be able to follow you to the places that you want to take us, Lord. I ask that you would uh, open every heart, that you would open every mind, Lord, that we would receive deeply this morning, Lord, all that you have for each and every one of us. We love you. We thank you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen, amen. amen. All right. 
So this is an amazing portion of scripture. You know, the Bible says that uh, God is the God of the living. He's not the God of the dead. We should be excited when we read scriptures that talk about men and women who have already gone on to heaven, onto that afterlife, and here they are, alive and well, exposed and visible, able to be seen, talking with Jesus. This is what's ahead of all of us. Somebody say amen. amen. Man, when we read this stuff, I'm, I'm wondering this morning if you get as excited about it as I get about it. This is not just some hypothetical story. This is the real deal. This is what's going to happen to me. This is what's going to happen to you. There's going to be this presence with the Lord. When we read this, we think about Emmanuel. He's God. He's God with us. We think about the fullness of God and everything that he is. And here he is on this mountain being transfigured, being exposed. There's an unveiling. There's a revealing of something that people couldn't see. Everybody couldn't see, but it's there. Somebody say amen. Amen. There's a lot of things that are there that not everybody can see. That's true in our lives. That's true in my life. I believe it's true in your lives. Not everybody can see all that you are and all that's there, but it's still there. This is the reality as it truly is. We look at this and say, this is some kind of miracle. This is some kind of um, uh, just uh, mirage. This is, this is something that we, we got a glimpse at that's, that's in the future, or this is something that one day we'll be able to see. But it's actually, this is the reality, and what we are experiencing is something else. Amen. This is the truth about our God. This is the truth about our Jesus. But what most of us see is something different. The life of a Christian is summed up in the fact that over and over again, we keep coming to realize that Jesus is altogether more than we had ever imagined. Amen. That's what it means to be a Christian. You come in and out of this place, not to come to this church every week, but to come and say, man, he's more than I knew. I saw something that I had never seen before. I've been exposed to another part of him that I didn't know existed. That's what it means to be a Christian is you just keep coming, keep coming, and he keeps revealing and keeps revealing. He keeps unveiling and he keeps showing you more and more of the real reality. I can see Jesus here for a moment just kind of wiping away the facade of this world, of this earth, of our clothes, of our uh, financial statuses, of our social statuses. Can you see him doing that? Like that's what he's doing with Peter, James, and John. Moses and Elijah come down and he's just wiping away all the things that people focus on. All the things that label us and identify us and categorize us and he just wipes it away. Matter of fact, if you would all just close your eyes for a minute. Bow your heads, close your eyes. Picture a place that you're familiar with. Maybe it's your home. Maybe it's your workplace. Maybe it's uh, your favorite beach that you're just real familiar with, your favorite spot. Maybe it's even this church. Now I want you to imagine Jesus waving his hand and everything's beginning to disappear. Everything's beginning to be stripped away one item at a time. That area of your workspace is fading away. All of a sudden, the water's gone from the beach. Then the sand's gone from the beach. And your home furniture is just washing away. In this church, the altar disappears, the walls disappear, the chairs disappear. And you find yourself alone with Jesus. 
you can clearly see only him. And in the deepest parts of your soul, you know that you're completely seen. You're completely focused on. You're completely loved. There's no one else but you and him. He's showing you that the spirit of God and your spirit, the spirits of men and spirits of women, are all that really matter. Everything else has just been created as a place where you can become more aware of him and you can become more aware of yourself. What a wonderful place that is to be. You can open your eyes. This verse, Matthew chapter 24, verse 35, is the same exact verse, word for word, in Luke 21, 33 and Mark 13, 31. But Matthew 24, 35 says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. The words of Jesus. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. See, we always focus on the part of this that reminds us how important and how eternal the word of God is, right? Every word I say is going to always last. It's going to be eternal. Not one jot, not one tittle is going to disappear. And I love that because you guys know I love the word of God. So it's, it's exciting to think about that. But I think the part that we don't focus on is when Jesus says that heaven and earth will pass away, it's not a metaphor. It's not just something to, to amplify how important the word of God is. He's actually telling us, I am going to wipe away heaven and earth, the beach and your workplace, your home, this church. It's going to pass away. I'm going to literally wipe it away. Revelation 21.1, John has this vision, and he says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and first earth had passed away, and also there was no more sea. <laughs> God tells us this is actually going to happen. He's going to give us a new place to become more aware of who he is and more aware of who we are. Imagine that. The facade is going to get wiped away and the reality of who you are and who he is. And this place is not capable of all that he wants to show you. Yeah, that's right. It's not capable of all that he is, containing all that he is, or containing all that you are. He has to make a whole nother place for you to fully see him and for you to fully know yourself. Amen. That's crazy. When you read this story in Matthew 17 about the transfiguration, it's easy, and I think a lot of us focus on Peter and his misunderstanding because he's always doing this. But I think he's getting a little bit better. Peter says here, Jesus, should we build a tabernacle for you and one for Moses, one for Elijah? It's going to be amazing. We're not going to focus on his misunderstanding. I think we need to focus on the awe and the joy that led him to act, led him to want to do something. He's so amazed at what he's experiencing that he has to act. Amen. When's the last time that you were so amazed by God that you had to act? You had to do something. You had to say something. You had to go somewhere. You had to let somebody know. That's what you see in Peter here. He asked God. Why? Because he says, I want to stay in this moment. 
I'm seeing you in a way that I've never seen you before, and I want to stay right here on this mountain with you and with Moses and with Elijah. Let's build tents, and we're never going back down. When's the last time that you, you came to a place with God and you said, I'm not going back to where I was before? I'm not calling that number. I'm not picking up that thing. I'm not going to that place. I'm going to stay right here as long as I can, no matter what the cost is. That's what you see in Peter. And then God says, this is my son. Hear him. He has something to say to you. And if you listen to what Jesus has to say to us, he'll show you how to act. It's exciting to want to act. It's exciting to want to do something. It's exciting to say, I'm going to leave things behind and stay in the presence of God. But God also wants us to know how to act, what to actually do, where to actually go. And that's what the father says. He says, listen to my son. He'll tell you what you need to do. Last week, we talked about the more clearly you see Jesus, the more clearly you'll begin to see yourself, right? Think about this for a second. Peter, James, and John are seeing Jesus more clearly than anybody ever has in that moment, right? Nobody's ever seen him in his glory. Nobody's ever seen him transfigured. Nobody's ever really been able to look upon Jesus this way. They've seen him more clearly than anybody. Imagine maybe minutes later, maybe seconds later, maybe days later. Imagine what it was like when they began to think, what does this mean for us? We've seen him more clearly than ever. How about looking at ourselves more clearly than ever? What does his transfiguration mean about me and my life? I wonder how many of you this morning, by the time we're done looking at the transfiguration, will be considering what it means for you. We'll be thinking about how much more clearly, hopefully, you can see yourself. Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Romans 12, 2 says, let your mind be transformed or let your mind be transfigured. Let the facade be stripped away. And let the mind of God that he's given you become your only true reality. Amen. Think about that for a second. He's saying, listen, you have to have your mind transformed. It looks a certain way. It thinks a certain way, but it can be transfigured. The one that you know, the mind that you know, the one that you've been using all this time, that's the facade. The real one is the one that I've given you. The one that everybody sees is, is the carpenter's son walking through the city. But the real one is the one transfigured on the mountain. The mind that you know that everybody sees is that filthy, jacked up old one. But the real one is the mind of God that he's given you. Amen. And he says, don't be conformed to this one of this world. Be transformed. Be transfigured. Amen. Know the mind that I've given you. Amen. Philippians 2.5, let this mind, say this mind. This this mind. Let this mind be in you, which also is in Christ, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. God is telling you, God is telling me to let this mind be in us, not the old one, the new one, the real one, the transfigured one. Think about this. Jesus, it says in, in Philippians 2, Five through seven, I just read to you that he's God. He's equal with God. 
but he came in the likeness of a man. He came out of heaven, past the mountain, down to our level, and he looks like us, but that's not the reality. The reality is he's something altogether different and better and further. Yes, but he looks this way. All of the, the fullness of God is trapped in this man's body. And then he says to you and I, the mind that he has is the mind that you should have. So when somebody looks at you, when you walk out of this church, they should just see another person and another head that's got another brain in it. But you should know you are something altogether different. Amen. This is the mind that's supposed to be in us, he says. God is somehow saying to us that our physical brain is just a temporary physical housing for the mind of God. This is 2 Corinthians 3.18. says, we all, say we. we. Say all. all. Say we all. we all. Say me too. Me too. Say that's us. that's us. All right, we know who we're talking about. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 3.18, we all with unveiled face, <laughs> beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. This ain't talking about just Jesus. It's talking about you. It's saying that you and I are unveiled. The, the veil comes up. What you look like, what this brain looks like, what this body looks like, it's just a veil and it's being lifted and we are actually being transformed into the same glory of Jesus Christ. We're being tra transformed and transfigured into his image. He came down and looks like us, but he's something altogether different. We were already down here and looked like us, but we're being transformed into something altogether different. Not just our mind, but our actual bodies are doing the same thing as well, he says. Just a temporary housing for his spirit. This brain is a temporary housing for his mind. This body is a temporary housing for his spirit. 2 Corinthians 5.1. We know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. God's not talking about physical houses. He's talking about this house. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked, for we who are in this tent grown being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Verse 4 says, we're not groaning because this body hurts and we're tired and we just want to die and float off into nothingness. He's saying we don't want to be less clothed than we are now. We want to be more clothed. I want the eternal body. I want the one that can encompass and withhold all that God has for me. I want to be further clothed, not less clothed. Verse 5, now he who has prepared us for this very thing, who also has given us the spirit as a guarantee. See, it would be crazy if I was just talking to you guys about this and trying to get you to open your minds and think about the mind of God being in your brain and the spirit of God being in your body. And let's just... Make each other believe that. But that's not what he says. He says he gives us his spirit as a guarantee that you know the things I'm talking about are the truth and the real reality. I'm so glad it's his plan. I'm so glad he thought of everything that we would say <laughs> and why we wouldn't believe. 
He says, I'm preparing you for this. And I give you my spirit as a guarantee so you know it. That's crazy. Verse 6. So we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well pleasing to him. Give you another definition for the Christian man or the Christian woman. We love this life. We value this life. We are excited to come in here and hug each other and kiss each other, right? We missed you. How's everybody doing? Let's go eat. Let's go paint. Let's have dinner with Jesus. Let's go be young. <laughs> we love this life. But something in us is groaning for the next one. Something in the Christian man and in the Christian woman is saying, I, I'm present here, but I know to some degree that makes me absent from the Lord. There's, there's the desire to be more present with you all, but there's also the desire to be more present with God. That should be the daily struggle for you as a man or woman of God is that, man, I want to live this life and I want to enjoy this life and I want to love those that God has surrounded me with, but I just want to be with you, Lord. I want the new body. I want the new mind. I want the new habitation. I want that new heaven and that new earth. I want to know you more. I want to stay on the mountain. That's what Peter was trying to say. Peter had a mother-in-law. Peter had a wife. Maybe they were struggling a little bit. He wanted to stay on the mountain. <laughs> Peter had friends. Peter had a business. Peter had all that. But what did he say? Let's just stay up here. I'll, I'll build you a house up here on this mountain. That struggle. What did Paul say? He says, to live is Christ, to die is gain. I, I can live here, and I love being with you guys, and I'm preaching the word. But if I die, I get to go to heaven and be with him. What about us? How many of us are building earthly tents and tabernacles and trying to make them as awesome as possible and as comfortable as possible and everything that we want? More bound to this place and less drawn to the next. I'm going to share three things or three things I want to point out to you guys about the transfiguration story from uh, Matthew 17 this morning. The first is a distant glory, a distant glory. For Matthew 17, this is verse 4 and 5. Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here if you wish. Let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. God the Father is speaking here, and like we typically see and hear from him, it comes from a distance. When you think about all the Old Testament scriptures, all the time we see the Father speaking, the Father doing something, the Father engaging and intervening, it comes from a distance. Exodus chapter 29, verse 43, God is speaking. He says, there I will meet with the children of Israel and the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory. I will consecrate the tabernacle of meeting and the altar 
I will also consecrate both Aaron and his sons to minister to me as priests. I will dwell among the children of Israel, and I'll be their God. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God, who brought them up out of the land of Egypt, that I may dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. So here's the father, and he's talking about how he's going to dwell with Israel. He's going to be in the tabernacle. He's going to be their God. They're going to be his people. But it is at a distance. The people could not get close to him. We talked a few weeks ago about if they even came close to the mountain that he was speaking from, they would die. When we learned about uh, in Exodus about the tabernacle, there was all the children of Israel camped. Then there was this perimeter fence or gated area. Then there was an altar. Then there was the holy place. And then there was the holy of holies. And that's where this is talking about when he says, I'm going to be with them. They were all at a distance. One person, a high priest, got to get close once a year. Everybody else had the presence of God, the glory of God, but they had it at a distance. How many of you have maybe felt that at times where you look at some people and you're like, man, they seem like they're closer to God. I mean, I know him. I'm in the building. I'm singing the same songs, but I know that I'm at a distance. Why is it that God, the Father, had this distance? This is about the holiness of God. What did he say? He says, I'm going to come and I'm going to sanctify that temple. I'm also going to sanctify the few people that need to get close to me. Because my holiness is something altogether different than your sinfulness. I am God and I do love you, but I am a holy God. I am not your homie. I am not just one of the guys. I am not just one of the girls. I'm not just one of the coworkers. I'm not just a buddy. I am a holy God. I am pure. There is nothing within me that is unpure or unrighteousness. (laughs) So while I want to be with you, we're going to have to be together at a distance. This is Exodus chapter uh, 33, verse 13. This is Moses now. So you got the high priest, you have all this situation. But before that, Moses is having the same conversation with God. He's like, man, I want to be close to you. (laughs) This is uh, God's conversation with Moses. Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in, in your sight, show me your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight. And consider this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you and I'll give you rest. Then he said to him, if your present does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except that you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken. For you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. And Moses said... Please show me your glory. Then he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I'll be gracious. And I'll have compassion on whom I'll have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face. For no man shall see, my, shall see me and live. And the Lord said, here's a place by me. And you shall stand on the rock. 
So it shall be while my glory passes by that I'll put you in the cleft of the rock. I'll cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I'll take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. This is glory. This is holiness. This is the God of all creation. Moses says, please let me see your glory. Please let me be close to you. God says, hold up, Moses. <laughs> I love what he says. He says, all my goodness will pass by you, but all my goodness is too much for you. Yeah. Amen. I'm too holy. Amen. All that I am is too much for you. All that I am is too much for this world. Moses wants it and Moses wants it bad, but God says, I'm too holy. And I love it because he still loves him. He says, look, I'll give you a place by me. It's still going to be at a distance. <laughs> Isn't that great? He says, look, here's a giant mountain, and there's this kind of cave rock spot, and I'm going to ease you in there like this, and you're like half hidden, protected by this rock. And as if that's not enough, he says, I'm going to put my hand over you. <laughs> And then he walks by him, yeah. and then when he's by him, he's like, okay, look at my back. Yeah. God is so funny. He's so amazing. And all that for what? He's just trying to show you and I. He's trying to tell us a story. I'm too holy. Yeah. Sometimes when I think about God, when I think about stories like this, I'm like, man, this world, not only me and this frail body, you and your frail body, but this whole world is not capable yes. of being in the presence of God. That's right. mm -hmm. He had to make a place where he could just like show us enough of him. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Because yeah. if he tried to show all of himself to us, our minds would explode. Yeah. Yeah. Our bodies would explode. The whole world would explode if he tried to show all of himself. So he says, I'm going to be a God where you see my glory, but you see it at a distance. And even Moses, he didn't know what he was asking for. When you read through Exodus, how many of you remember, like he'd come down from talking to God and getting the Ten Commandments, and he'd be glowing like an alien. <laughs> but we all sing, we want more of you, Jesus. Are you sure? We want more of you, God. Are you sure? A distant glory. The thing I want us to be aware of here this morning is that God is just as holy and awesome today as he's ever been. Amen. Think about that. A distant glory. I think we can start to see why in the Old Testament and why with the tabernacle, and why with Aaron and the priest, why with the children of Israel who were camped out there, why with Moses, God would say, I'm just too holy. So there's going to be a distance with my glory between me and you. But don't think for one second that he's changed. He's the same God and he's just as holy. We need to have a holy fear of this God. Yes. We need to have a holy reverence of this God. Yes. We need to not be when people are coming to worship him and lift up his name thinking that we could just be outside sipping coffee. He's holy. Amen. He's God. A time is set aside to give offering to him. A time is set aside to give praise to him. A time is set aside to listen to his word. And if you think you can just do what you want to do, during those times, whoo, <laughs> he might just move his hand and say, okay, I'm going to show you how holy I am. Malachi 3.6 says, 
I am the Lord and I do not change. I am not less holy in 2019 than I was in the days of the Exodus. Amen. I'm just as holy. Act like you know. Act like you know who you came to see. Amen. Whose presence you came to be in. Who you should be humbled before. He rose up on powerful men and women of God. And he says, take your shoes off your feet. This is holy ground. But we just chill like it ain't nothing when we come into the presence of the holy God. A distant glory. Number two is about being touched by glory. Back in Matthew 17, this is verse 5. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. Suddenly a voice came uh, of the cloud, out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and do not be afraid. When they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus alone. Doesn't that sound like that little exercise we did earlier when your eyes were closed and everything gets stripped away and it's just Jesus alone? That's all they see? In Jesus, we find the transition between a distant God or a distant glory and being touched by glory. He has not changed because he just told us what? I am the Lord. I do not change. Somebody say amen. amen. But doesn't it sound like I just said he changed? First it was this and now he wants to touch us. <laughs> he has not changed. What he's done is he's revealed more of himself to us. Amen. That's what's so good about God. He keeps revealing more of himself to us. Amen. We sang a song this morning and said, From the cloud you speak, what was veiled now is seen. Jesus, the image of the invisible God. I love when we sing, and I love when we worship. And I really love it when you guys think about what you're singing <laughs> and think about what you're worshiping. From the cloud you speak. Isn't that what God was doing here in the story? What was veiled now is seen. We couldn't see Jesus for what he really was because it was veiled, but now it's seen. The veil is lifted up and he's transfigured and he's glowing like crazy. He is the image of the invisible God. And now I go from a God that has distant glory to a glory that has reached out and touched me walked over to Peter, James, and John, and they're afraid like they should be because they have a healthy fear of the Lord because they see his glory, they see his holiness, they hear him almighty speaking to them, and they're afraid, but Jesus comes and touches them and says, don't be afraid. The Father wanted to reveal more of who we are to you. You can be touched by this glory now. You don't have to hide in the rocks. You don't have to stay outside the fence. I came to touch you. John 17, 24, this is Jesus talking to the Father, and listen to what he says. Father, I desire that they also, whom you gave me, may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. The Father's at a distance. He's got glory, but it's glory at a distance. And then the Son comes, and the Son says, Dad, 
Father, please, all I want is that they get to see and touch the glory that you gave me. Let's not keep it at a distance. Let's go out and touch them. Jesus is asking the Father to be able to reach out and touch you. Amen. And then listen to Colossians 1.19. It pleased the Father that in Jesus all the fullness should dwell. When we don't have Jesus in this world, before he came, God exists, Jesus exists, the Holy Spirit exists, but there's this distance. But it pleased the Father that all of God could be put in a man named Jesus. Jesus says, I want them to see your glory, my glory. I want to reach out and touch them. It pleases the Father that all of God could be put into a man that can reach out and touch us. Sometimes we think he's angry. Sometimes we think, we think he doesn't want to be close to us, but it pleases him that he has a, a means to touch us. Matthew 1.23 says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Not speaking from a cloud only, not at a distance, with us. The women watched a video uh, during their dinner with Jesus, and since I know some of the ladies, they share some of the stuff with me. So I got to watch the video and it's the story we're familiar with. It's this, it's Emmanuel. The virgin has a child and the baby comes and this shepherd is running and he's hurt, he's broken, he has all these issues. And you know, I get emotional from time to time. I'm watching, I'm crying. <laughs> and he makes it and he sees Mary and he sees Joseph and he sees this baby and they look at him and they grab Jesus and they give him to him. And he gets to hold Jesus. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, this is Emmanuel, God with us. He reaches out and touches us, but we also get to reach out and touch him. Amen. It's crazy. Crazy that God would put himself in our hands. <laughs> Let me stay on track because you're going to mess me up. <laughs> See, now we can be touched by glory. And when you realize that, just like the song, the only song your soul will find to sing is hallelujah, 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 my king. What else could you say when you realize that there was glory at a distance, but now you have the opportunity to be touched by glory. Emmanuel is with us and looking for you and trying to get to you. Man, all you can say is hallelujah, 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 my king. Hallelujah means praise the Lord. You're worthy of praise. You didn't have to, he didn't have to do any of this, and he did it anyway. He could have just said, get right. <laughs> and if you don't, you'll never be in my presence again. But he didn't do that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, my king. So there's so many stories where we could talk about, talk about him touching us like uh, he did with Peter, James, and John on the mountain. A short one here in Matthew chapter 8, verse 1. Jesus came down from the mountain. Great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshiped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleaned. He was touched by glory. Think about that for a second. This man is a leper. 
He's got sores all over his body. He has open wounds. He has pus coming out of open wounds in his body. He hasn't been touched in a long time. He had to abandon his family or his family abandoned him. Nobody could be in relationship with him because of this disease that he had. And he comes to Jesus. He comes to God. He comes to the glory of God, Emmanuel, God with us. He says, hey, if you're willing, I know you can cleanse me. And Jesus doesn't just say, I am willing to be cleansed. What does he do? He touches him. Why? Jesus wanted to show him that's just a facade. The same way that I go up on a mountain and the facade is removed and the world can see me, or at least Peter, James, and John can see me for who I really am, I'm about to do that to you. I'm going to touch you and the facade is going to be removed. That ugly skin (laughs) is going to go away. And the skin that I gave you is going to appear. That mind that you know and that the world sees, when Jesus touches you, that facade is removed. And the one he gave you is visible. Man, what a wonderful thing it is to be able to be touched by Jesus like that. We make it so hard, but it's really so easy. We're always thinking about what do we have to do to be better? What do we have to do to get right? What do we have to stop doing? No, we just need to get into his presence and let him touch us. And then when we see the facade, when we see, man, I can't believe I've been thinking like that. I can't believe I've been living like that. I can't believe that I've allowed other people to look at me like that. That's not me. Imagine your whole spirit experiencing what this man's experienced, right? You reach out an arm that's, that's bleeding and pussy and, and open wounds, and as soon as he touches it, you see it changing. Imagine that happening to your mind and to your soul and to your spirit at the deepest levels. Amen. Number one, a distant glory. Number two, being touched by glory. And finally, number three this morning, being filled with glory. Back in Matthew 17, this is verse 8 and 9. When they had lifted up their eyes, right, he reached out and touched them. And then he lifted up their eyes. They saw no one but Jesus only. And now as they came down from the mountain, Jesus commanded them, saying, Tell the vision to no one until the Son of Man is risen from the dead. We talk about this a lot, how Jesus would touch someone and tell them, Don't say anything. He touches the disciples here. He says, don't say anything yet till I'm risen from the dead. A lot of times when we talk about it, we say uh, he had to get to the cross. The more people you tell, the harder it is to get to the cross. If everybody knows I'm healing and I'm feeding and I'm changing and I'm doing all this stuff, they're going to know that I'm the Messiah. They're going to bum rush me and not allow me to get crucified. I got to get to the cross. I got to die for you guys. This is just the beginning. If I don't die, there's no forgiveness and repentance, remission of sins. I got to die. That part is true. But something else is going on here, too. He's telling Peter, James, and John, he's saying, don't tell anybody yet because there's more revealing that I want to do about what's happening here. 
If you, if you go down the mountain and you start telling everybody what you saw, you're only going to tell half the story. You got to wait till I'm crucified and I'm risen from the dead so I can tell you the rest of the story. Colossians 1.27. Here's the rest of the story. They had to wait until after the resurrection to hear. Colossians 1.27 says, To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The whole point of the glory, the whole hope of the glory, what was always in the, 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 the plan of God, it wasn't glory at a distance. And it wasn't being touched by glory. It was glory in you. If they came down the mountain and started telling everybody, look, you could be touched by glory. You could have your leprosy healed. Just let Jesus touch you. That's only half the story. The whole story is not only has he come to touch us, the touch was just a foreshadowing just to make you aware that you could be filled. As if it couldn't get any better already. I'll send my spirit and fill you with my glory. And it's the same glory. Didn't we learn earlier? He says, I am the Lord and I do not change. Think about that glory. Think about that holiness. Think about that God. Think about that power. Think about that light. Think about that righteousness. Think about that holiness. Then he says, I'm going to put it all into a man. His name's going to be Jesus. He's going to reach out and touch my people. Then he says, I'm going to put all that in you. And we wonder why he cares how we live. We wonder why he says, you be holy because I'm holy. Amen. We wonder why it's such a big deal if we withhold. If we withhold our resources, if we withhold our time, if we withhold our love, if we withhold our repentance from that God who's trying to fill us with his presence, can you imagine what a betrayal that is to him? But it's the old mind with that old stinking thinking that thinks the church just wants your money. The leaders just want to control you. Nobody cares about how you think or how you feel. No, that's the facade. Don't listen to that. Amen. Be transformed. Be transfigured. Be filled with the glory of the Lord. Amen. Isaiah 43, 7. Everyone, this is God, listen. Everyone who is called by my name whom I have created for my glory, I have formed him. Yes, I have made him. Does that apply to you? If it does, you should be excited. God says, look, I call you by my name. I formed you. I created you. I prepared you to be a carrier of my glory. Revelation 21.3, I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. He will dwell with them and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. John 14.16, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. What a promise. 
Worship team, would you come? Jesus tells, first Jesus asked the Father, I want them to have an exposure to my glory, your glory, the glory you gave me. I want them to be with me the way that I'm with you. And it says it pleased the Father to have all the fullness of God in the Son. And then here at the end, Jesus says, the next stage, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to dwell with you and to be in you. God at a distance, being touched by glory, and then being filled with glory. We're going to sing uh, Transfiguration again. Why don't you guys stand? And as we sing, I'm going to ask you, The same way we kind of started off this message this morning, we talked about closing your eyes and letting everything go away. Maybe you would close your eyes the first time they sang this and just listen and picture your transfiguration. Picture yourself on the mountaintop with Jesus and seeing him in this way. The good news is you know the end of the story. It's not just that he's going to touch you. He wants to fill you with his spirit. And then as we continue to sing, I would ask you to really understand the words, understand what they mean, understand what what was going on in somebody's heart. God was speaking to this person as they wrote this, what they were experiencing, and then they share it with us so that we can experience it too. Before we do... We always give an opportunity for people to give themselves to the Lord. I want to do the same thing this morning, just give you an opportunity to say, wow. I want the facade to be removed out of my life. No more trying to be good. No more trying to fix problems. No more acting like I'm a Christian because I go to church. (laughs) Just seeing Jesus as everything everything, holy, righteous, perfect, but loving you and wanting to deal with your sins forever. If you've never done that, I want to pray with you. Actually, we have a few people in this church that probably want to pray with you, but would you identify yourself so I could just make sure not to let you leave without praying with you this morning? Not saved, but want to leave saved. Want to be forgiven. Want the glory of the Lord just to shine from the inside out of you. Amen. Anybody? Hallelujah. I did see that hand. I see you, sis. I'm praying with you. We'll be praying. Amen. Anybody else this morning? Today's your day. Thank you, Jesus. All right. So as we sing, the altars will be open. If you come to the altar, here's my prayer for you. Prayer team will come down and and grab a hold of you, pray with you as well. But the prayer is to be transformed and be transfigured. See yourself coming and even as the lights are are low right now, everybody's a little bit dark. But imagine as you come, everything's being stripped away and you're beginning to glow. (laughs) You're getting closer and closer to the presence of God. You're getting more and more filled with the presence of God, the spirit of God. Everything's being stripped away and then here you are in his presence, his spirit alive inside of you. All the darkness is passing away and all the glory of the Lord is coming to the forefront.
Lord, we thank you. We love you. We want to be transfigured. We want to understand your transfiguration. We want to know what it means for the, the veil to be lifted, for the facade to be moved out of the way, to see you for who you really are, and then to have the opportunity to see ourselves for who we really are, Lord. Let us just listen, then let us engage, and then let us act. We love you this morning. We thank you this morning. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen, amen. Let's worship. love you to visit our church at 451 West Lambert Road, Suite 204 in the city of Brea. Our service times are Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.thewaybrea.com or you can download our church app by visiting your app store and searching The Way Brea. Be blessed.